Welcome back, everybody, to the Voices for Blogging podcast, where we have faces for radio and voices for blogging. You can find us on our Podbean app, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you usually find your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram, at Voices for Blogging. As always, here in Honolulu, I'm Steve Lee. Over in Los Angeles is Roy Samano. We got a big show for you guys today. We have two guests. First time ever. I I shouldn't say that, Royce. That's not the first time ever because we had Jay and Evan on at the same time. So that's that's true. That is true. We did do this for some once. That sounded pretty, you know. Anyway, take that for whatever you want. Um, Yeah, yeah. But we have have a big night here. You know, we have the debut of Owen from Kailua. If you guys remember the beginning of our podcast last year, we talked about. Someone just really struggling in fantasy football. I think it went to about 0-9 until he finally won. And um, I think one of his first two losses was to his girlfriend who had never played fantasy football before ever. <laughs> um, so he caught a lot of grief and his uh, his name became Owen. So, But we got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the run in Ethereum. We're going to talk about a little housekeeping with some of the things we talked about with Earn on G- Gemini last time out. But I got to start with very recent news. And uh, guys on the podcast can see what I'm drinking here. You know, and the team that's on the cup, they just find very creative ways to lose. We just watched the end of Thursday Night Football. My Giants. The losers, man. They always find a way. They always find a way. So, you know, we're going to kick it off with talking about that. Owen from Kailua, jump on in right away with your thoughts here, and we'll get rolling. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I think I have to start off with the play calling by Washington. <laughs> How do you throw the ball on second and four when you're up one and you have Anto- and Antonio Gibson in the backfield? You're up one. You're at your own 20-yard line. Exactly. Why are we taking that chance? Yeah. And and let's flip that around and talk about the Giants play calling. Two <laughs> minutes left in the game. You're in position to kick the field goal. Yeah. You get a first down. You can run this whole clock out and kick the field goal to win the game. But no, we run three plays. We run three plays in 20 seconds. And we kick the field goal before the two-minute warning and give Washington the ball with two minutes left. You know who else knows what it's like to have a passing play called when it should have been a running play? We're going to talk about your Bears. We, we'll get to Russell, that. No, I'm talking about Russell Wilson. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. You, you talk about the game that cost me $50,000 that I would have won yeah, in my well, I don't know. I don't know about that. Oof. But that, that was there was a meme about that tonight, actually, after that. Oof. But, yeah, I mean, great, great first week in a game in the NFL season. Uh, I think we – we got to see something different this year because of the new schedule with the extra game. I really feel like, and Owen and I talked to you about this a little bit before, Like, I, I really feel like a lot of teams just treated this as preseason week four. And if they lost week one, they're kind of like, meh, whatever. You know, 16 more games. The target's to win season. 10 games. Yeah, target's to win 10. Extra so, game means a lot this year. It's a long For sure. season, yeah. And extra game to also lose a lot of players, a lot of season-ending injuries in this first week. You know, I got some thoughts on that. But, Royce, what do you think about uh, your Bears? My Bears? Who did they play this week? (laughs) 
They were in your backyard. Oh, yeah. Friend. So what kind of fan are you? Why weren't you at SoFi? Oh, no, I was, I was watching it on uh, – well, my, my friend was in mm-hmm. town. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot of drinking. The place I was at, too, we were watching, you know, whatever games were on the uh, – were on CBS or Fox or whatever. So I totally forgot about that. By that, by that point, I was probably drunk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is just like me making fun of your loyalty to the San Francisco Giants that you, you peruse hey. and you frequent L.A. Dodger games. Like – I don't know, man. That hat don't mean nothing, man. Like, you go to Dodger hat. games and you cheer for the Dodgers. <laughs> Nobody can see it, it makes no sense. It's I'm sacrilege, man. Hey, hey. It's sacrilege. You wanna... You'll never see me at Cowboys yeah, Stadium wanna... cheering for the Cowboys. I want to yeah. make it out of the parking lot. Ken knows. Ken knows what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> I do. I do. I, I, if I were a Giants fan, I would never I would never wear that hat to a Dodgers game. Like, that. you're just asking for it. Putting my life in jeopardy all day. All you need is uh, 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 an overweight, uh, you know, lady throwing a drink, and all help her in yeah, your section, dude. That's it. That's that all was, you need. That, that was the Rams game. That's all that you need. Just one overweight lady throwing that drink, and you're you're done. That happened to you in the Coliseum. Yeah, I was in, was in, no, it wasn't in the Coliseum. It was in uh, the the new SoFi Stadium. Like they had uh-huh. it on their first preseason game. Okay. They basically had this uh, YouTube video, or some guy posted it on YouTube of his cell phone, where uh, there was this brawl between this guy and like a whole other group of guys, and it was about to end when this lady took her drink and threw it, and it landed on the guy, and then they just started fighting. Like the guy was about to walk away, so basically she started the fight. His back was turned. He was he was they were jawing at each other, and he has his back was turned. He was about to leave. And this lady like throws a drink, and of course, like he thinks some guy, you know, he, like someone just hit him in the back, right? What's well, like that other video? What game was that, Owen? Where the uh, lady was screaming at this one guy and slapped him in the face. That was a Steeler. And then, game. like, that was a Steeler <laughs> game, right? Yeah. So the guy ends up cold cocking that, that that woman's husband, like he went to sleep, yeah. like oh like gosh. he put him to sleep with one shot. Yeah. She slapped him twice, <laughs> she slapped him twice right? And like he was holding his composure, like I mean, it was crazy. I'm sure that'll happen in Vegas sometime this season. Guarantee. How do we know that didn't even already happen at that Ravens game? (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure it has. I'm sure it already has. But Owen, how did how did fantasy go with you this week? Owen, me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's two and one. I lost one. Wow! Look at that. I lost one. Wait, can you repeat that again? Which one you lost again? In my family league. How many people in that family league have any experience playing fantasy football? One. <laughs> I lost to the one guy who had fantasy, who had fantasy training. One. And the streak continues. <laughs> oh, and don't let this guy talk to you like that, man. <laughs> I won my two main ones. That's that's that. That's the, the ones that matter the most. Yes. Any advice for our listeners about fantasy this year? Things, the strategies you went into with the draft? Uh, how you kind of went about picking your team? Well, last year I went boomer bust, and it was definitely a bust. This year I went a little bit more safe. Chose the um, people who were more stable. So I went a lot more, not veterans, but a lot of three, three, four years. Like, And then in another league, I went all rookies, and it kind of paid off. I went a lot of second year, so, so I went CD, and I picked, I picked T. Higgins in every single draft, which is my favorite receiver right now in the league. Big mm-hmm. size, big body, that A.J. Mm-hmm. Green type of player. 
Right. And then every, I surprised everyone with taking Trey Lance and Tom Brady back to back. And mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but say, here's uh, the question: Did off. you have the Did you have the courage to play Trey Lance this week? No, and capitalize on his first touchdown no. pass. I, I don't think anyone saw that coming. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Well, I mean, just like the Justin Fields one, right? No one saw Justin Fields playing a snap. But that's a. I saw that more of a chance of him doing something than Trey Lance doing something like. Definitely. Throwing a touchdown. Yeah, definitely. Well, I definitely started Tom Brady this week against a Dallas team that still has yet to figure it out on defense. <sighs> yeah. That's did, did, get, still. did you guys take a chance on Gronk this year? I picked nope. him up. <laughs> <laughs> after the fact, yeah. yeah. I would have <laughs> drafted him if I could. You guys drafted him? Would you drafted him, Royce? I didn't draft him, but I would have if I could. Like, if he was there at the right time, I would have taken him. Why not? Mm-hmm. Interesting. But then again, my, the tight end that I ended up drafting, though, was Kelsey. So I had him in the first round. Oh, no, you're, you're good. I was under the impression that O.J. Howard was going to come back healthy. Because when he left, he was doing good with Brady. But he hasn't come back yet. And Cameron Brate's not really doing anything either. Yeah, O.J. Howard, you know, I was really high on him last year. And you know, he was looking really good until he got hurt. Yep. But, you know, for a speed tight end like that, you know, you, you get that kind of injury. It's going to take some time to get back in the fold. But really, I, when I watched Gronk play this, this, you know, that first game, man, it had flashbacks to you saw the chemistry. You just saw it. And you like you, what we talked about, you heard it, you know, when they played back the sound. Like, break, break, break. Like, they just, their communication is unbelievable. He literally told him to block and release. Yeah, block and release. Literally just said Tom Brady said, release. Lock and release. <laughs> like straight up, just told him, and that's it. Yeah. And it, the, and the play still worked. Yeah. <laughs> but, Roycey, what do you got going in fantasy this past weekend? Uh, my team had a good week, at least uh, one of my teams. Mm-hmm. I had Russell Wilson. I had Amari Cooper, Debo Samuel, mm-hmm. Kelsey, like I told you, I had Landry. Right. And then my running backs were uh, Edmonds and uh, Henderson from the Rams. Right, but uh, that's a, that's no, I was interested in watching that Bears game just to see how Matthew Stafford was going to do with the Rams, and Dude, and I, he I wanted to watch that deep the, ball. He uncorks yeah. that deep ball, and it's like it's the wet dream of every Rams fan right now, where you're like, yeah. man, someone that can push the ball down the field, not afraid to throw the ball out there. Yeah, he's he's definitely got an arm. Like I think his arm talent and his accuracy downfield is maybe better than Goff's. But maybe it's definitely yeah. But I, I still think that a lot of it was play calling. You know, like they pretty much threw Goff under the bus when he left. But uh, you know, we're gonna see. Like he did, he looked pretty good in Detroit. He did, but game. he's also doing his checkdown thing. Like the reason why they got rid of him in, in LA was his inability to take the risk and throw and throw throw the accurate deep ball at the right time. You know, not just throwing it when it's safe, but just being able to throw it. Like I think Goff, his biggest thing is he plays afraid of making mistakes. So no, he's that he made, guy. He, he made a he lot of mistakes. Kind of put... <laughs> right. No, he, he can throw the deep ball. He, he's done it before. I, I think the biggest difference is that they went away from the play action. Like they never like in the years that they had success. Like the year they went to the Super Bowl, they they relied on Gurley a lot. Right until you know, I think it got hurt that year too at the end. But uh, like their their whole offense was around running Gurley and play action, and it opened up a lot of lanes. I think and. Towards the end of the time that Goff was here, it was like, I would swear, it was like 70%, 80% they were throwing the ball. Or they're giving him the short passing game a lot. For whatever reason. 
They're, I mean, they're trying to you become predictable, and it makes it, it makes the game that much easier. Yeah, I, like I always say they're using their wide receiver screen passes as short runs. Yeah, but the biggest thing I would say about golf, if you're a coach, and Owen, you can jump in on this. If you got to be in your quarterback's ear for the whole time the NFL allows you to be before they shut up the mic for him to run a play, that's way too much hand-holding that, that, that you shouldn't have to do in the NFL. Yeah, well, you know, and it, it really, it really just kind of submarine his either submarine his confidence or it's a reflection of where he is football wise. I, I think they just lost trust. McVeigh lost trust in him. One hundred percent. Obviously, he's not going to be happy about that either. Like the relationship just turned south, and you know they they needed they needed a change. Yep. So so when you coach quarterbacks, what what what's kind of like for you? You know, at your level when you're coaching quarterbacks, what do you tell them? Well, I mean, we have to keep it simple, right? So, I mean, right. I would love to do double moves, play action pass where they can make the progression. I mean, a lot of it has to do with their line play too, but I think most mostly it's a lot of pre-snap read mm-hmm. and just knowing who's what what the corners and see what the DBs are doing. I think it's right. a big part of it. When then where the linebackers are lining up, like we run a lot of RPO. So that's like run pass option. So we have a run play and a pass play in there at the same time. Kind of what Carson Wentz is doing at the peak of his powers, you know, in in Philly. A lot of that zone read with that slant behind because that's what we ran in high school too and in college some somewhat too. But that's that's like bread and butter right there. Right. It's so easy. You're just reading one. You're reading two guys, and they should be in the same picture. And when you think about you think about that relationship with golf and McVeigh, could you imagine putting yourself in golf shoes and having your coach just in your ear like that the whole time like that? How would that mess with your head as a player? That would be kind of irritating. Like you know, I'm a like I'm a you drafted me second overall for a reason. Like you know, give me a little chance, give me the reins a little bit, let me go. And I think I mean I don't know. I think he's going to be successful in. Detroit, just because they're going to run, they're going to be a run-heavy team. But he's definitely a transitional piece in a rebuilding team. And that's the sad part, right? Like yeah. he's a high draft pick. He's been to the Super Bowl. You know, he did some good things. You know, this past Sunday. But I don't hear anybody talking about him. Like, yeah, man, he's Detroit's future. Like he's young. He's so young. Yeah, he's young. Like I, I don't know. I, I think I think he'll be okay. He kind of reminds me of the same situation that Sam Darnold was in. Like Sam Darnold to me. He's a quarterback that has talent, right? Just in a in a bad situation, and like he played. We'll see how the season plays out, but I mean, he played he played pretty good this last. last I mean, game. he's getting good coaching. Sam Darnold's going to get great coaching down in Carolina. A lot better than you know, right? You, you got Brady down there, and you have Matt Rule. Yeah, and they're, they're going to coach it up. You know, Brady Joe Brady's probably not going to be there after this year because once Sam Darnold has a good season. Someone's going to try to hire him as their head coach. Probably your Bears, to be quite honest. Because when they're going to get rid of Matt Nagy if it doesn't, if it goes bad again. Yeah. I'm surprised USC is not looking at him as a head coach, potential head coach. Joe Brady? Yeah. I, I think that's I, – I, USC, any 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 buzz down there about the USC situation? I mean, a lot of people have been wanting to get rid of Helton for the last three years. I mean, ever since Darnold's, Darnold's rise – you know, in the fall off, like everyone's willing to, to kind of fall off, you know, get rid of Helton, and it finally happened. I was surprised it got rid of the coach so fast. 
<laughs> seeing that it's only been one game, but you know, it's SD. They have they have high expectations, right? And yep. they're going to find a, a big name guy to take over the program. They want to get back to where they were with Pete Carroll. Well, now cheating but, is legal, so you can. Well, it's not really like, cheating, right? It's like oh. you making money off of your, you know, than Reggie Bush. But that's one point. So what happened to Reggie Bush is now legal. So yeah, you can cheat. Yeah. So, so maybe, can, maybe that is a more attractive place now, like for star athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, or or UCLA, right, Ken? <laughs> yeah, I give Chip Kelly right. that. That team, yeah. that team looks like a Chip Kelly team now. It finally looks, good, looks yeah, like good. a Chip Kelly team. The quarterback's got to work on some accuracy because he, he, he play against UH, he couldn't hit like these open cat, like these open receivers. Like you're not gonna hit U, uh, open receivers against UH. You're in trouble because we let everybody score. I mean, I think last time we checked, we have a defensive head coach, but we let everybody score. Hey, you know, it used to be our offense was our best defense, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the good old days. But yeah, I, I want to see UCLA get back to like how they were when you know they had MJD and Mercedes Lewis, and uh, then those were some good teams. Hey, Charbonnet looks good, man. Charbonnet coming home to the to Cali and coming home to play for chip right now in, in this in this one read offense for that running back you know he never looked this explosive at michigan same guy just looks different because of the because of the system or the sun you know in michigan he'll get 30 carries and 120 yards chips offense he'll get 10 carries and 130 yards yeah well, different different, off, different, difference. different completely beast. different beast same player so uh, Royce, we didn't do our picks this week. Are we going to continue that tradition this year? Yes, we need to do that. No, you're too drunk to give yep. me your picks. I think on Saturday night when I checked uh, you, you said because you said you were going to look, and about an hour or two later, still no text back. I'm like, yeah, you drunk? It's okay. What was I? What was I doing Saturday? <laughs> oh, and you in on you in on football picks this year? You're going to get put on the page on our Instagram sure. page. Oh, your picks. Yeah. We'll just sure. Uh, so. We usually use on Vegas Insider. You get all the odds. We usually use. Uh, I usually use the the MGM, the MGM line to make the bet. So it's all it's all on it's all on that stuff. Over unders, money lines, point line, all of it's wide open. So Sounds you can make as many picks as you want every week. But as Royce found out, he uh, he probably shouldn't make so much every week. Sometimes you don't want to make any picks. <laughs> You're just hurting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should make our guests make picks. The week that they're on, they should make picks. Well, that's what's going to happen. We'll see. We'll so see if you hustle, if you hustle <laughs> and get this thing uploaded and edited, which is, again, thank you for all that work. Because I, I can only imagine how much of a pain in the butt it is to edit this stuff and, and put it out there. Look, but, I, I have a greater appreciation for all of these YouTube bloggers and podcasters because it is it is a job. It is a job, man. Hey, it's a good thing you don't have one. That's <laughs> yeah, good. good thing I don't. <laughs> my job is my job is podcast editing. You don't think what Roy does is, is a job? A oh, no, I do. I do. This is the, <laughs> this, like is the com- this is the conversation that we had when he was home. Is it is sometimes when you're doing something that's really outside of the norm, sometimes it's hard to explain to friends and family here in Hawaii, like what you're doing. 
because it's just not as prevalent here. What what you know what he's doing day in day out. It's a lot easier of a conversation a lot of times on the mainland to talk about crypto investing and mining and all the work that comes into that. You know, like oh, and you're gonna be sticking around when we talk about crypto. Like it'd be kind of cool to have you around because you can ask questions like someone that doesn't know much about it. Sure. Uh, you know, because cause the questions will will be good because I think the feedback we've been getting guys from the audience is sometimes it just goes way too over their head, but that's only the people that are listening that maybe aren't too familiar with crypto. I have no idea who these people are that are listening. That's why. So maybe there are people that they get it and they're totally into it, but the numbers are going up. So I don't know. That's all I get. I guess that's all I care about. But, <laughs> number, um, number go up. Number, number go, go up. up. <laughs> number go so, up. you know, we bring Ken on and the F goes for another run. That's right. That's the only reason tonight, here. That, and tonight, Ken, Ken get a little greedy. Here. He wanted back on because he wanted to push it back up some more. I think that, Roy. That, Roy's the one that said, you know, hey, I, we got to get you back on because, <laughs> you know, we need another run here. Pump I mean, it. right at this moment, <laughs> Ethereum is at 35.64.35, you know, which is to me still above key support levels. Yeah, it violated it real quick and it popped back up. And I think it's showing a lot of strength there. I think so. It's looking pretty good. Stack that way. Stack that way. <laughs> um, a little housekeeping before we jump into this conversation. But, you know, we mentioned at the last, uh, on our last show, about Gemini Dollar having an interest rate of 8.4% and mentioning that potentially it was FDIC insured based off some things that are on the app on Gemini. And so I decided to do a little digging to make sure just to confirm that's true because in my, if it is fantastic, I'm moving more of my savings in there because where am I going to get 8.4%? Guaranteed, right. We're doing nothing. We're doing yeah. absolutely nothing. So I write, you know, I, I write to them, I email them and, you know, they actually get back to me in a timely manner, about two, three days, which is pretty fast for Gemini. Uh, and they, they don't mention at all in their response about this blurb they have in their description of Gemini Dollar that mentions holdings at State Street and that they could be eligible for FDIC insurance at 250000 They don't mention any of that stuff in their response. I asked them the question back again. I say, hey, you guys allude to State Street and FDIC. You didn't answer my question. And they came back and answered it the same way. So obviously, Harold, who is the guy resp- you know, responding to me, is obviously working off some kind of script. So I text him a part, a part of the description of Gemini Dollar that reads, Gemini is a U.S. regulated, is U.S. regulated by the New York Department of Financial Services. GUSD reserves, Gemini Dollar reserves, are eligible. For FDIC insurance up to $250,000 per user while custodied with State Street Bank and Trust. So really the question is, how do I get a custody with State Street Bank and Trust then? Because I want to get that insurance if I can. And they just kind of, so I just sent that reply to them today, a screenshot of that description. I said, just explain this to me because otherwise it seems pretty misleading. And, you know, we, we've talked about before people's attention to detail and attention span when they're reading stuff you know real quick at a quick glance you just see those magical keywords and you think yeah man let's move money in there i'm fdic insured heaven forbid something happens to gemini but if it does you know everyone that thought their money was safe is it might not be 
Yeah, so, I mean the the way it, the way it reads, it sounds like just it's talking about all GUSD, right? Right. So like, say Gemini. And obviously, I don't know. Like, but th- this is what it sounds like when I read it. Is that if you deposit money into Gemini and you get GUSD, like it's the pool of all people that deposit money into Gemini that get GUSD. So like, if everyone deposits their money and they there's like 300 million GUSD, it looks like that's the thing that's insured for 250 250k. But I mean, again, like I, we'll have to wait and see what they say. Right. Yeah. I the more interesting thing about that I think is that uh, in the last week the SEC and or the Coinbase actually came out with a letter or with a Twitter or the Twitter post basically that said that the SEC is going after them for their yield product, which right. sounds fairly similar to what Gemini is offering with yep. this eight percent yield on GUSD. Uh, so it's really going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the next couple months. Yeah, what's your take on that, Ken? You know, I, I agree with both of you. Um, the language is so vague. It just right. it reads like a lawyer, you know, cover your ass kind of statement. And, right. you know, there's so many, like I said, wild, like there's so many caveats here, right? Like wild custody right. with State Street. Like, like what if it's not, what if they're not using, what if they terminate that relationship with State Street? Then, right. you know, you're not covered, right? Or what if the portion that you're, you know, what, what if just a portion of it is covered by State Street? Right. Um it's so vague. I, I don't know. I, I look at this and I just think to myself, I'm just going to assume there's no FDIC insurance. Like 100%. when I read that, that's, that's really and, how I read it. And yeah. they say it. And then they say that Genesis is where the money is. So why even have this statement in there other than being a little predatory? It feels a little predatory. Like why would you leave it out there if you're outwardly saying this money is going to Genesis, which is – you know, more a crypto exchange and not and not an FDIC insured bank. I think they're better off just leaving this entire language out. Again, 100%. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't I don't want to. I'm not giving you know legal advice right. or anything to them or, or anyone. But I, I'm just saying, right. I think for me as a user, I'd prefer not to read that at all. I you know? agree, and just just I assume agree. that that's the risk. That's one of the risks is that you know you're not FDIC insured, and so you know your eight percent might justify that risk because eight percent is pretty nice. Right. Um, but you can't say it's like a bank. It is not like a bank. It's not right. as, as safe as a bank. Right. Oh, and yeah. any of that, all, any or all of that go over your head? Yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it was 8% and 250000 I was like, okay, that's all I remember. <laughs> yeah, we have, yeah. Like at a bank, you get, you know, if you if a bank defaults, the, the government will, you know, pay you, you know, that insured amount. So that you're made, you know, at least part of your, whatever you have is made whole. But, you know, and they're trying to say, I guess Gemini is trying to say that they have um, something similar. Like they have the same kind of risk. Like they're, they're as risky as a bank, right? They're kind of saying that with that statement. And that's not true because we don't really know how much of that is real, right? That all, this, all these caveats don't exist at a bank. Yeah. And, you know, so like if a bank goes out of business and you had a, or a bank gets robbed, we'll say. Okay, and you had a hundred thousand at the bank. The federal government has your hundred thousand insured. You're going to be made whole. You don't lose your money at a bank. So it's always important at your bank to look at what their, you know, what their insurance is and spreading your money out so that it's protected. So let's say one day, one day after you start doing the selling insurance thing that you're looking to do, and you're making a lot of money, when you hit a certain dollar amount, 
it's wise to spread this money out to other banks. Don't put it all in one place. Hmm. So you want that money covered just in case. Now, if you're leaving that much money in cash, we'll have a conversation. Like that money needs to be invested. <laughs> but you know, yeah. But but I I think the more important thing about that though, I mean, outside of the FDIC thing and the insurance, is that you can take your dollars and earn eight percent. Whereas if you go to a bank and you put your money in a savings account, at best you're getting like a half a percent, which is a huge difference. Like if you if you can put your money somewhere, and it can be relatively safe and you're going to earn 8%. That's a no brainer. Like it would seem you need so. to take that money out of your savings account and put it, put it in that opportunity. And I think that's where banks are in trouble because they don't, they don't do that. Like if you, if you have the choice between 8% and a half a percent, you're always going to go with 8%. It's a no brainer. Uh, and that's the attractiveness of, of you know, DeFi and if right you, now. Uh, to add up to that, if you are already investing in crypto, and let's say for me, in just, specifically, I'm investing it and, and my wallet is with Gemini. If they go tits up, I lose everything anyway. So it's kind of the same deal. You know, if they get robbed and like if, if they get robbed, they get hacked or what have you. Well, you know, that's the risk yeah. I'm already taking. So don't I'm just taking more risk if I just put more there. But yeah, yeah they, they 8% on money I'm not really using today. Eh, it's kind of nice. It's really nice. Yeah, nice. I mean, when, I, when I'm done with a trade, the money goes back into earn. And then when I'm ready to buy something to trade, I take it out and I just buy another coin. Like my ill-fated, well, I shouldn't say ill-fated because I made money on my sushi trade. But I was, I was lamenting, I was lamenting, to, I was lamenting to Royce yesterday more. about like, <laughs> hey, you know, like sushi woke up yesterday. I woke up about seven o'clock in the morning our time here. You know, I just dropped my son off to school. I'm like, hmm. All right, just made some money. I'm just gonna sell it because this is about where it kind of topped off, maybe flashed to 15. Well, lo and behold, two hours later, it's almost at 16. dollars I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> but, but you know what? It's a good lesson, right? Making money is making money. A profit is a profit. You know, it's you like can't, you can't you're not gonna it. win at all. You're not, yeah, gonna, you're not win gonna win at all. Unless you can. No, no, no one wins at all, dude. Everyone, no everyone takes, it all. you know, when you lose money, it just, it just becomes a very expensive education, you know, and then, yeah, and, yeah. and it's, uh, you know, I and mean, the Royce and I both have been, you know, we've been rugged. We've been, we bought, you know, shit coins that just went to nothing. We, and we, we've been through it all, right. It's been almost the, or, or over a year of this, right. Of, of just doing DeFi stuff. And it's, yeah, like we've seen everything and, and mm-hmm. almost everything. I don't want to say everything, but. Um, it, but it's just a very expensive learning experience. And, and the thing is, you can't learn that anywhere because unless you've experienced it, you don't really know, you don't know it, right? right? So, like, I was kind of joking with Royce, like, you know, if we ever started some, like, DeFi class or whatever, I mean, the stuff we know is, you know, you can't learn that stuff. There's no classes, no professors that can ever teach you this stuff, right? And if we, so if, if we taught a class, we could charge a lot of money. <laughs> like, people would want yeah. to know these things, you know? I think you're it. right. Uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, Royce and I kind of talked about that too. It's this kind of this thing where, like, experience is your best teacher in, ex- in investing. Like, Owen, you just started investing yourself yeah. into the stock market last year. Yeah. What was that experience like for you, uh, positive and negative? As What was the worst you felt? What was the greatest you felt? I think the greatest I felt was the first day. It's just, like, so <laughs> exciting because... 
I don't know. I was just really excited. I just wanted to buy a lot of shit. But then right. I think the worst was like not having um, that extra funds to like buy more when the dip happened. Mm-hmm. I think that was the that was the worst thing. Because mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you told me to buy NVIDIA again at I think it was like 400 for its split. Yep. And pre-split, that, pre-split 400. Yeah. And where is it now? Yeah. <laughs> Like two thirty, two thirty ish. So let's say let's say if you didn't split, it'd be at nine hundred. Yeah, right. So, but you caught, you know. I mean, but you still. When did you end up buying it? Five oh two or something. Like that. Yeah. So you almost caught a double. Yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know. You, no, that's, you that's really 80, good. An eighty percent gain, like that's huge. So the question yeah. becomes, right? When do you sell? This yeah. is always the challenge. And you, you look at your holdings, you see what it is. When you look at all your holdings, there's probably one or two stocks that you're holding right now that's probably not a long-term hold, right? The other ones you could go long-term. I mean, it, it, if you don't mind disclosing what you have, you can talk about it. You know, there, there's definitely one that's pretty speculative that if it runs up, I'd be pounding your door like, get get out of there, right? Yeah. And then there'll be others that goes up. The conversation is, do you think it's going to keep going? Do you believe in the company? How much longer is this going to go? Right. So I already mentioned NVIDIA, you know, and I'll let Ken and Royce jump in. But I, NVIDIA, I mean, really, they're in everything that's relevant when it comes to semiconductors. And as we've seen in this last 12 months, without semiconductors, things don't go. Like the shortages that are out there in this world, whether it be cars, appliances at one point in time, mining, you know, mining equipment, everything, a lot of it has to do with just a lack of chips, not enough chips out there. I got a story for you guys, uh, kind of off of Steve's point of not knowing when to sell. Like, how do you know when to sell? Because that's always the biggest question, right? It's like, yeah, it's really difficult. Like, when do you get out? Okay, let me give you this extreme, extreme example of one coin that I bought about a couple months ago. And uh, I think I told Royce about this one. I think he's probably hitting himself on the head for not buying it. Uh, But I had a friend come over and tell me about this token called Million Token. And I had never heard of it. It sounded like a scam to me. Okay. He's like, uh, I listened to this guy. His name is Tech Lead. He has a YouTube channel. He's like a million people uh, on it. And he's like, can you buy me some of these tokens? He, he doesn't know how to buy any of this stuff, right? So he's like, can you buy some million tokens for me? Is that a dollar? Um, I'm like, okay, how much you want? He goes, oh, let's give me like 50. I'm like, all right. I'm like, dude, the the the, the fee, the Ethereum gas fee is going to be like 30 bucks. So I'm like, I can't just buy 30, you know, like, so I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'll buy some too, right? Just for, just for the hell of it, right? Because my friend wants to do it. I got him at 30, whatever, fine, or $50 worth, whatever. Um, so we, I got, I think I got a little bit higher than a dollar. I was like a dollar seventy or dollar eighty or whatever. It went to 200 in about a week later. A week later, it went to 200 and something dollars. So Eric calls me. No, yes. it went really? to $200. So my buddy Eric calls me and says, hey, what do we do? And I'm like, no, 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 no. He's like, no, he didn't say sell. He said, we can buy, we should buy more. And I'm like, I'm not buying anymore, man. I'm not buying anymore. I'm not touching it. Like, we should sell some of it, right? But he said, no, no, we're going to wait for a thousand. Okay. He said, we're gonna go to, it's going to go to a thousand because I can buy my Tesla when it hits a thousand dollars because he wants his 50, his hundred or 50 tokens to turn into a Tesla. And I'm like, you're out of your mind, but but oh, no. so, no, so I said, if it goes to the same price as <laughs> Ethereum, I will buy you that Tesla. Okay, 
I will because oh, I don't no. think it, I mean will it go to eight, yeah. eighteen or I think it was like two thousand dollars. Will it go to two thousand? I'm like, okay, if it goes to two thousand dollars, I buy you the Tesla. So uh, so I'm like, whatever, okay, fine, I won't sell it because you don't want to sell it, fine. So we waited. Of course, it didn't go up anymore. It went down to I think I think we ultimately sold some around like a hundred. And then, and then, and then, you know, and then so the, the rest of it just went to like, you know, eventually went back to like almost nothing or whatever, but it's $15. $15 I mean, right but now. my point is it's still a hundred X and it was only like a couple of weeks. It's still exactly. incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't get anywhere near that. And, and, you know, like, I mean, we sold, you know, we sold a little bit and we just kept selling the way down and it's, and it came down pretty fast. Like it, once it hit 200, I think it was like for like an hour or two, it was like a 200 and it went back to 150. And the next day it was a hundred. <laughs> the next day it was fifty, and it just yeah. like watching so the decline. Watching the decline is I know the we actually sold, sold around like thirty or forty dollars, most of it. And um, so it's still it's a still great. Still I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to complain about a thirty x or forty x, whatever. But I mean, I wish I'd put more money in. You know, right. like <laughs> but it's pretty good. And you know, I'm just all I'm saying is like you just don't know when to sell because how would you know if it goes to two hundred? You're thinking two thousand. You're not thinking I should sell, right? Well, see, see, well, well, this is this is this is where experience comes in, right? Because yeah, we've been we through did. this before, and I was trying yes. to convince yes. everyone to sell. If I, if, yeah, if I saw something that spiked from like what it was at, like under fifty dollars, before it had that huge run up to two hundred dollars, I would have been like, oh my god, we need to sell right now. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's because it's it's such a skyrocketing move. It's it's look at yeah. your look at something like Yearn Financial. When will we see Yearn touch nine ninety four thousand again? I was just watching it today. You know, it's meandering in the mid in the, in about the thirty six thirty seven thousand level, and it seems to have support about thirty one thousand. But like, if you're that guy that may say you had Yearn at eighteen thousand, you had a chance to get out at ninety, and you're like. Nah, man, this is going to two hundred thousand. Yeah. But those people, it exists. I mean, we've all had those thoughts with whatever something else that we've that we've but had worries, in I mean, the past. To, to your point, it's it's um, true. We've we've seen this, but you know what? We still fall for it sometimes. Like it's not like hindsight is always twenty twenty. You can always look back and say we should have done that. Sure. Should, it's easy to talk about it, but when you're watching that thing go up to two hundred, yeah. it's very hard to say. You know what? I got to take some money off the table because it's still going up. And you know, it's, yeah, it's no, hard when you're in it. It's very hard. You're much blinder yeah, yeah, yeah. when you're in it. It but is when you're when you're an outsider and you don't own any of it, and you're looking at it and you go, "Man, you're crazy, right?" But when you actually own some and you're actually like watching it go up, it's very hard yeah. to like know, "Hey, we got to sell, right?" Well, you you got to be very disciplined. That, that's, no, the, that's the there is no feeling. There, yeah, there's no feeling like that in the world when this yeah. thing just shoots up. It's so euphoric reasons yeah. out the window and so it, it's one of those things where in selling stock well i'll go back to stocks a little bit is there has to be a discipline about it right so like jim kramer talks about if you have a double then what you should do is sell half your position because then it's all house money so whatever you lose from there is the profits not your principal and if it continues to run fantastic if it gives you a chance to get back in then maybe you can put more money back in now, crypto, that run is so fast. A double is like, it's great. But in crypto, we know, like, we ain't looking at doubles. We're looking at, like, you know, yeah. powers of 10. Sometimes I mean, look at the million token. If we had if we had and, sold that, okay, we bought it. If we averaged at two and we sold at four, sure, that's a double. You made 100 bucks, 200 bucks. Right. That's not interesting. 
right? I mean, <laughs> hundred bucks, which is cool, but it's true. It's true. I mean, I and that's a perspective, and it's perspective based off how much money you have, yeah. too, right? But I would say even people with don't without that much money, and because I've had these conversations with people that jumped into crypto this year, and they're just buying every they they're doing the penny stock mentality with it. So there's my every cheap coin, hoping one would hit, you know, but as you guys know, there's so many coins out there that for the most part will never hit. And if you buy it only because it's cheap, you miss out on runs on all these other things that are running. Like I look at when I jumped into Ethereum, 487, you know, 487 to 3,600. Like, yeah, okay, we're good. You know, like it's not bad. Yeah, they're in sharp stick in the eye, you know, and, and having been in, auto, in and out of it where I actually sold all of it at one point in time. And so I'm in at a higher price, but I'm really not. I'm in on profit, using profit money to buy it because uh, I just want to play the ranges because I learned from both of your experiences where I saw Royce ride it all the way to the top <laughs> and then ride it all the way back down. And I'm like, hell no, hell no. It's like a wave. <laughs> so that's the perspective I took after I kind of sent Royce that text where I was kind of whining about selling my sushi too early and missing a couple points. It's like, eh, profit is profit. Yeah, but but I will say going back to, you know, what Owen was saying about like not having gunpowder basically to buy in when the when something dips. I mean, that's that's a problem that everybody has and goes through, right? And. You know, I think you only learn to, to deal with it by going through it. And you learn that to stagger your buy-ins and always leave yourself gunpowder so that like when if something like that does happen, you have ammo on the sidelines to be able to jump in, you know, when you when you want to. That's that's what There's I There's nothing worse than watching your, your investments go down and not being able to do anything about it because you're all you're all in, right? Yeah. You're you're because sometimes your best offense is if the story hasn't changed much and it's just getting sold off for whatever reason, somebody got liquidated or there's some bad headline about you know the SEC or the, the Fed chair wanting to do something, which is going to happen off and on for the next five or six months, and, and not being able to capitalize on an opportunity is tough. That's why I was saying on my, my money I use just to trade coins, once I sell it, I don't immediately look for somewhere to park it to buy something else. I'm going to wait for a good opportunity, so I just shove it back in the urn. And at least I'm making some money because I'm just, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy on a dip. Because I, I mean, all we see is this, these markets, they, they rise and they dip. What's really encouraging right now is every dip's bought violently. Like Ethereum, when it gets to a 31, 3000 level, it's violently bought back. And there's a very huge V recovery, a very steep recovery, you know, almost like a flash crash that just gets picked up. You look at the last two times in the last couple of weeks where it did that real quick sell-off, it didn't take long at all for it to rebound back to 3,200, mid-3,200s, and it meanders. And then, like you said, right now, it's near 3,600 again, You know, knocking on the door. I really feel like the next move is knocking on the door 4,000 and trying to break through the all-time high. I think, I think for when you invest in cryptos, they're, 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 you can take a lot of risk early on because if you don't play with a lot of money – like if you start with if you don't start with a lot of money, you can take a lot of chances because it's not a lot of money. But when you have that big win, whatever it is, like a 10x or something that you got in and you got lucky and you know, like Shiba Inu or something or or Dogecoin and you got in early and suddenly your thousand dollars, whatever, turns into like a hundred grand or something, 
um, I think the game changes. You no longer can look at, you can't, your playbook has to change. Because if you play that same way with a hundred grand, it, it'll disappear real quick. You know? Um, right. and, and you have to really rethink, yeah. like when you get to a certain scale, you just can't play the game the same way. And you can still play the game, you can still be in cryptos, but you can't invest the same way that you did like when you had a thousand dollars versus like a hundred grand, you know? Um, and that's, I think that's one thing I learned as I, as I kind of got into more and more, um, you know, been doing this for about a year now. And it's, it's definitely interesting to think how my mentality has changed um, because you, you can't look at investments the same way. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're now looking at capital preservation. You're not trying to gamble as much. It, you know, it's one of those things too, right? When you when you look at your your investment strategy, you already in, in like in both your cases, Ken and Royce, you guys have already planted some seeds that you're also waiting for it to 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 kind of sprout right now. And so you already put some risks out there. Where you know, like Royce, I think you remember you remember me telling me uh, about an investment you made some years ago, and all of a sudden, you know, they told you, "Hey, man, it hit." You know, and you you got a great gain off something that you you wrote a check for that you assumed was, ah, I'm not sure this is going to go anywhere, but I'm going to take that risk. Yeah, there's been, there's been a couple of that. <laughs> yeah, Royce, we, we we both know very well which ones we're talking about. But yeah, I, I mean, so you already put the risk out there. So once you start making the money, and Royce, our our conversations all the time are about, hey man, make sure you're taking some profit. You know, and just take some money off the table because you've been so successful at it especially in this last year, you know, your loyalty to the trade has really paid off for you in the last 12 months, we, you know, but it'd be a shame if you, you know, put it all on the table and heck we're back in the position that we're, you know, pre COVID. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that my sister says too, right. Is that there's nothing wrong with taking money off the table, like at any time, like, because you don't really realize those profits until you sell. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just it's all on paper. paper. Yeah, like, I think the things that Royce and I've been looking at more and more is just stuff like the GUSD, you know, where you can take the take the money that you've made and put it into like something that's lower risk but still gives you a nice return. It may not give you the 10x or 20x or whatever potential, but you're guaranteed a you know eight percent, nine percent, ten percent investment, and you're not taking any price risk because your 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 tokens are or your coins or investments are all in like something stable, right? Dollar, yeah, for dollar for dollar, and. And then, you know, if, if there's enough that you can park away, that's an income. Like if you get to a point where, you know, you have enough to park away in, in an urn or some kind of product like Gemini Dollar where you get 8.4%, like that's an annual income you could literally live off of and, and not really have to, and you'll never diminish. And it doesn't exist anywhere. Like you cannot look anywhere else to get those yields. Nope. Like it doesn't exist at banks, nope. bonds. Nope. You know, even stocks, right. you're, you're not going to get those kinds of, you know, right. in, you know, dividends. Just it's a, it's it's only in crypto. Right. So, yeah, Owen, here's the it's... example. If you had $2 million and I told you park it in this thing that's 8.4%, you're going to get 170, almost 168000 a year doing absolutely nothing. Could you live <laughs> off 168000 and be cool with that? <laughs> But some, but sometimes you need that perspective, right? Sometimes you got to frame it that way, to because the temptation is always going to be there. Like, oh, look at that, S S just went down. S just went down a thousand bucks. I want to let me park it in there because if it goes back up that thousand, I'm going to make way more than eight percent. Yeah. But then the the bankability, as long as the rate stays up, of course, that's always a chance that it comes down. 
Um, the back ability, I was thinking, man, I only had 170 grand digging my ass watching football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, nothing terrible about that. Nothing wrong with that. After all this conversation, Owen, does this make you want to get into crypto? It does, 100%. Not that we're trying to brainwash you or anything, but, you know, that's, this was part of the reason why we kept you on because it, it, the perspective of someone that hasn't been in it yet. And I know you've been wanting to because you've asked questions and I kind of cautioned you, uh, uh, let me play around with it first a little bit so I can give you a little more advice. Yeah. Well, if you have any questions, these two guys are the guys that ask. Like, it's, you know, their experience is so invaluable. I've learned so much. And, and you know, that. that's not to say everything we invest in goes up. It's just we've had a lot of experience and we learned a lot from failing and, and losing money too. So it's definitely not something, I mean, it, it's just experience, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, I don't mind sharing. I don't think Roy should mind sharing that experience with people. If anything, and we want people to get into this while it's still a good opportunity. I think at some point it's going to, it's not going to be a good opportunity. I think it's going to be like too crazy. Like back in 2017, we were both there at the very peak of the craze, right? The, the, the ICO slash crypto craze. And, you know, I, w- I, I don't think I would have told people to get in then, you know, at the very peak of it, because it's just so wild, it's so ridiculous. And, um, you know, there is literally a, a, a Ethereum token that says it was like the worthless Ethereum token and people were buying it, you know, and it's literally telling you it's worthless, but you're still buying it. I mean, that's just that's just insanity. Right. Um, and that, that was what's happening in 2017. But I don't think that's the case today. I don't think Royce, do you agree with me that it's not like that right now? You mean like yeah. in terms of the mania? Uh, I mean, I I kind of think it's transferred from ICOs to like NFTs and some of these other like meme coins and stuff like that. But like, it's definitely more mature. Like uh, the industry as a whole is more mature, but I, I think you're right. I mean, for, for me, like crypto is the best opportunity that you have today to make a lot of money. It's also very liquid and your time horizon is very short. And I don't know how long it's going to be like that. You know, like this might be, you know, one of the last times that it'll be that way, you know, before institutions come in and you know, all this big money comes in uh, and kind of, you know, evens that stuff out. I mean, we're still really early. I mean, if you think about all the people that are involved in crypto right now, it's like a small subset of you know, the, the population that's involved in financial services. And so, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity right now. I just don't know how long it'll and we don't know how big it's going to get, right? Like, I mean, I just heard today AMC is taking, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash as payment for movie tickets, right? They got to do, do something yeah. to increase profits. <laughs> you know, they, they got they got a lot of debt to pay back. You know, all, all you know, all that the all the stock, all the extra offerings that they've done, you know, based off of the run up that you know that that they got from the Reddit mm-hmm. crowd. They still got to pay these things back. They're paying rates on all this kind of stuff, you know, because they diluted some things because they, they did some bond offerings, not just selling. Oh, I think this shares. is a great publicity of some, and it might right. help them get more users. And you know, I and it, so. you know, getting a nice hoard of you know of reserves in crypto is is a good thing, not a bad thing, especially right now. You know, that asset, the more like look at Overstock, right? Their whole business model changed. I mean, they were doing online, you know, they're doing, you know, selling over, over stock, you know, supplies to people online. And now they're not doing really that much anymore of that. They're just, they're just a crypto company now and look how much more they're worth. Right. A lot of these companies pivoted to do crypto stuff almost exclusively and they've all benefited. Um, you know, and, and you just wonder how many more companies are going to make this pivot. Right. I mean, Tesla did to some extent, right. Um, to, to start, 
taking, you know, big, well, I don't know if they don't, they don't take it anymore, but they at one point were taking Bitcoin as payment for Teslas. Um, and a lot of companies like, you know, PayPal and Twitter and Square, they're all, you know, I think it's just a matter of time before more and more people kind of, you know, it becomes mainstream and people adopt it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you see so much more adoption. And I feel like we'll get to a point in the adoption where what you guys are alluding to, where the best of times we might not see again once we get to that point. You know, once we figure out the regulation, once Yellen and SEC and everybody kind of figure out how they want to deal with DeFi, because DeFi looks like it's square on their targets right there. They have their sights set on DeFi right now. And, you know, as far as how to regulate it and, you know, what they're going to do because because of the, you know, the potential harm to the people that are investing in there. Because, you know, it's like buying stocks on margin. Like, oh, and we've talked about that. Like, you know, when you when you're short money, it's tempting to go margin your bank, your, your stock account, in which, in other words, you're borrowing money from the brokerage and paying about, I think right now it's about 10, 10, 11 percent on that money you owe. But if that stock goes down 50%, they're going to come calling for that money. You know, and that and you, a lot of us learned from that experience during all the bubbles we were in, whether it was the dot-com bubble or when the housing crisis hit and, you know, everybody was defaulting and everything. So that's the, these are all the stories of caution before you guys, you know, get into, especially the younger group like you, get into things because the mania of, Making money fast is so contagious. Like you heard it, you saw it all. You know, when people were buying AMC or buying GameStop, you know, it, it was just, it was insane. But there was no fundamental story behind these guys to support those prices. I'd rather, it's so funny because I'd rather be in crypto than be in those things and, and run up in crypto. If I'm going to take that chance, I'm not going to rely on these guys that are like saying, hold the line, hold the line over Twitter and Reddit, and then they dig out, and you better get out as fast as you can, you know, because they're essentially using and you. To, to put the I think a, I think the term that people are, I think the term you use here is exit liquidity. You become someone else's exit liquidity because you're holding. <laughs> yeah. you, become you become their, their exit liquidity. That's what you become because you're holding that liquidity while they're getting out. Right, so you're the exit liquidity. That's what you are, and that's what you don't want to be, right, in the crypto space or anywhere really. That's that's a hard thing to to figure out, though. Is like when's the right time yeah. to get out, right? I think we, uh, Royce and I, and we have this other friend of ours that we talk about with cryptos a lot, and he's also kind of pretty heavy in the cryptos, and um, he keeps telling us uh, by the end of the year Ethereum is going to be 10k, and he sounded pretty sure. Like, he wasn't just joking. He, he sounded to me like he was serious about 10K. And I, I, I think he's I think he's half joking, but... I don't know. I took it pretty... I mean, we both know him pretty well. I mean, you're right. He might be joking, but with the way he said it, he sounded pretty convinced we should hold... And he still refuses to sell any of his Ethereum because he thinks it's going to get to 10K in a year, so you just leave money on the table if you sell down. I think Royce and I, you and I talked about this. If it does skyrocket to something like 10 we're selling or well, I'm selling. Oh, I'll, yeah. wait no, I'm I'll wait for the drop selling. to buy back in because we saw it when it went to 4,000, when it just ran its butt up to about 4,300, it dropped like a rock. Cause at some point in time that, that run up was so insane. Yeah. You know? was, whenever there's run ups like that, it's probably a good yeah. time to sell, to be honest with you, because that's not, 
that's not natural growth, right? Like that's it's not sustainable. But really, none of it really it's is. Yeah, it's not sustainable. <laughs> and Royce and I both talked about kind of like yeah. the you know Ethereum. I think yours, you 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 pointed this out. Uh, maybe Ethereum is going to make that run to 20k like Bitcoin did back in 2017. You know, like it's kind of trending like yeah. that, where you're starting to see kind of the the, the building the base of you know at 3k this base of invest you know investments that you know just kind of like slowly building, slowly building, and then you get you get the big big push at the end of the year. Um, and so you you right, right Royce, you, you told me that. Yeah, that's what uh, I, I read an article where some guy was saying that you know it'll like follow a similar path to Bitcoin. And if you remember in 2017, Bitcoin started the year under yeah, 1K. And it was at 1K and it kind of slowly went up throughout the year. I think it started November around 10K. Uh, and then like at the end of the year, it just had this huge run up. Yeah. To my, my, my thesis on that, about how we get there, um, again, just purely speculation and just, you know, my personal thoughts, I'm not, you know, not investment advice or anything, um, is that I think I look at the stablecoin growth. Um, I think it's, Royce, you sent me an article today. It was $120 billion, right? There's $120 billion of stablecoins now. And people have, I think in back in May where the there was a big crash in cryptos in May, a lot of that money went into stablecoins. And it stayed in stablecoins, and and do you know what that is? No stablecoins. So stablecoins are basically tokens right. that are, I guess, one for one backed by a dollar, or ideally, in in theory, you know, basically worth a dollar. Each token's worth a dollar, um, and it's backed by various assets. Sometimes it's some cash, some you know, corporate bonds or whatever. There's some escrow with a a, a bunch of funds in it that you know, people deposit money and they get a dollar for a token. Um, so, so there's these stable coins that are, you know, there's a bunch of different ones like, you know, US, you know, USDT, there's USDC, that's Coinbase. There's, you know, there's all sorts of stable coins out there, you know, DAI. And the sum of all that is $120 billion. And I think at some point that money is going to go back into buying cryptos, right? Right. I mean, it's sitting in stable coins right now, but I think. You know, maybe it's earning good yield right now. Maybe people are putting it into GUSD to earn that eight percent. Maybe they're putting in USDC to earn that four percent, um, or just in DeFi in general. But I think at some point that money is going to go back into the market, and that's going to take us to potentially ten K. Like that's, I think that's how we get there if if we get there, because that stablecoin sitting there, people aren't withdrawing it, turning it into US dollars and putting in their bank accounts. The fact that it's grown to $120 billion shows you that it's not coming out of cryptos. It's still in cryptos. So that's that 8% thing yeah. that I was talking that's about. That's one of the... Yeah, Gemini dollars. Yeah, a, that's a stable, stable coin, coin. And it's giving yeah. you yield. And I think a lot of people are going to be tempted to jump to put their money in and play. They're sitting and waiting. Right. They're, 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 they're laying in the weeds, basically, waiting for their time to probably re, reassert that money in the crypto market. And in, in many ways, you want to be ahead of the crowd would be my guess, you know, before that money gets deployed again. Because once that money gets deployed, it's going to happen fast. And, and, that's, yeah, and, the that, and that's where you become yeah, someone's profit. I, I mean, I would, <laughs> you better get out. I would be more concerned profit. if a lot of that USD, if all that stable coins went out of the market and people redeemed them and you saw the stable coin like decline in the total market cap, like people redeeming their... Uh, you know, their tethers to to get dollars back and people were redeeming their USDCs to get dollars back. 
then I would be if the, if that stablecoin market was shrinking, I'd be very concerned because then I know that people are pulling their money out of cryptos completely, right? Um, but that's not what's happened, right? Even after the big crash in May, it just went into stablecoins, and in fact, the people putting more money into stablecoins. So when does that stablecoins go back in, right? Like yeah. you just, I mean, I guess you could sit there for a while, but the fact that they're there just means it's just a bunch of dry powder out there waiting to get back into market. But that's my take on it. Again, my personal take on it. I don't, I don't know. Obviously, I mean, Royce, you, you've been you sent me the article today, and that's just kind of what I thought about. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I do think it is positive for crypto in general, uh, but I do think a part of that is people that are taking their dollars, they're converting it to stable coins, and then earning mm-hmm. yield on it, right? Like the eight percent from Gemini, or you know, like. 10% or 3% or whatever from Aave or Compound, something like that. Like, I, I think that's part of it too. And that that's that's a good thing for crypto. You know, more people using it. And it's, right. it's a no-brainer. Like, you don't want to have that in the bank. Right. It's the money sitting on the sideline. You know, really, when you look at it, you know, in the stock market, they always talk about the money on the sideline. You know, the money that's not being invested. And, and when that money gets invested, you know, how that makes a run in the stock market. I mean... I think it's pretty sound logic to to think that you know that hundred twenty billion. I mean, heck, even if half of that gets deployed, what kind of run does that yeah. make? I mean, if you think of market? if you think of crypto as like a big casino, which just kind of is, you know, it's stock market too, and you have all these chips, people with right. tons of chips, right? They're not playing blackjack or roulette or anything, but they're just they're just holding it's a holding ton it. of chips and they're putting and they're they're putting their cash in to get more chips. And there's holding hordes of chips and you know stacks and stacks of chips. What do you think they're going to do eventually? They're going to gamble. <laughs> like, right? It's boring sitting in the casino not playing something, right? Hey, if you're if you're standing in the casino with chips, exactly. you can only stand there long exactly. enough before paying you to be in the casino, free buffets <laughs> and free drinks, all you know, open bar. You're going to get so bored at some point. You're going to say, you know what? It's great getting all those free meals and stuff, but hey, that's like. That's like playing Pai Gao with Royce. After about three hands, you get so bored that like all the black chips just go in one hand. Like I'm sitting, I just want to drink, so I'm I'm just betting with greens. All of a sudden, all this black comes out. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm bored. Boom, puts it down. But if you're watching all these other guys winning on the blackjack table, they're going on a run. The dealers bust in. Don't you want? Like, you're holding all these chips. You're like, hmm, you know. Maybe I could play start playing a hand or two. <laughs> I think that's just gonna happen in cryptos. You're like, you got all these guys holding chips. You got all these tables going. They're all making money. Like all these tables are paying people, the, right? I think the better analogy might be the crap table because <laughs> right, right. The, the crap table, the 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 the, the juice on a crap right. table, like when a crap table is hopping, there's nothing like playing on a hot crap right. table. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. like the exuberance and the energy that comes off a hot crap table. Yeah, no, and you true. just get swept away. So let's say let's say you're only playing one come bet and your and your and your pass line, and everyone's throwing numbers. They're throwing numbers. At some point, you're like, dude, <laughs> all the way across. You just drop a whole bunch of chips, and that's the minute the you across. throw seven. Right? I mean, and yeah. then boom, seven comes out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I've just I've been there. I've done that. But you get so <laughs> we've, we've all, we've all, all done it. it. We've all been there. Like you have these thoughts on the crap table. You're like, yeah, I should take somebody's bets down. 
You know, you already pressed them up to where you want to. You're collecting yeah. yield, basically, right? It's coming in. And I go, you know, I should just take these off because I got to get 10 more numbers to get all this money back compared to if a seven comes out now. Like, if you think about it, if you pressed everything up on a crap table, there's a point where you should just say it. Just take all these bets back because they, you got to hit these numbers so many times to get all that money I think back that's eventually. But that's not that's what happened in May. I think that's what happened in May. All these people... That's happened. That, that big crash was May, where people took their chips off the table, and but they still have them. They haven't. Mm-hmm. They haven't like gone to the cashier and cashed them out. They're just holding them. They have a little casino. They're still there, and they're walking around, they're walking drinking around, their free drinks, hands right? in their pocket, looking at every table, <laughs> sipping their drink. Did you see that TikTok video where that guy was trying to pick up a girl at the bar, and he was like, "Hey, look at my bank account. Is like as well as Fargo account." And he had like eighty two thousand dollars in it, and she was like, "No, I don't, I don't, I don't shit in money." Really? That's all. see that, though, man. That's yeah. scripted. That's not real. I mean, maybe, I don't, maybe I don't know. Yeah, there's so many of those videos that are scripted. It's like the prank videos; they're all <laughs> scripted. But but anyways, I, I I do think I do think if we get to ten k, that has to happen. People have to get off their asses, you know, get off the sidelines, start depositing those chips and those crap tables or or on the on the roulette table or whatever and and i think we get there i think we get there if that happens i think once you if we take out the all-time high i think that's when it'll happen because people would be like oh my god it's gonna break out like 10 gonna happen i think so yeah and that's what'll take it to 10. i, I think i thought at some point it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy too right I, right I do think that a lot of people are you know have that as a target so i have a question for you guys actually do you think now's the time to get in? Hey, let's start with let's start with Owen on this one because he's the only one not in. <laughs> I was yeah. going to ask because <laughs> I I can what? feel the vibe coming through the screen right now that he's like, yeah, I got to get in on this. Stuff <laughs> I was I was asking I was asking for him because. You know, I, I, like I talked to some people too, right? And I'm like, hey, you know, have you guys gotten to crypto? You know, at this point in, you know, this year, a lot of the coins have had a pretty big run-up. Ethereum is at, you know, 3,500, you know, compared to where it started the year. I think what Steve probably got in, it was like 400, like he was saying. I think at the beginning of the year, it was probably around there, too. It was around 11. It it, it kind of broke 1,000. It was in that high sevens, and it quickly broke the 1,000 within January. Yeah, I want to say it was like 780 or something like that at the beginning of the year, of the year 2021. Yeah, and Bitcoin's run up. It's like 48K now, went up to 60K. I mean, like a lot of these coins have had these big runs. And they're still they're still close to their all-time high too, which, you know, a lot of them hit in May. So I guess my question is that, like, if you weren't in crypto right now, would you get in at this point? Because I think that's a good question to ask. Okay. If, if I were to answer that question, the only thing I would buy is F. And it's not just because we're biased. It's the one that has the strongest chart. Everything's making higher lows or lower highs, I should say. So Compound, we'll use that as an example. Its high was 900 something. Right now, every time it makes a run, it can't break 525 and then it breaks down. So in this last run, just a few days ago, it, it peaked at about 518, 520 and it dumped to below 400. That's a straight up rejection of 
that's a straight rejection to try to move higher. So it can't break through these resistance points. And Ave is no di- Ave is not much different. I think their high is about 700 or high 600s. It gets to about mid fours and it breaks down. Sushi goes to, I think, tw- I think it was 23 was the high. It gets to about where it is now and it breaks down. The only one that doesn't break down, because Bitcoin included breaks down. Bitcoin is nowhere near the high it touched in May. And every time it tries to break through that 49,700, it'll break through and break back down in about a day or two. It can't hold it. Like right now, it's trying to make a run again. And it's breaking down. The only one that doesn't break down is F. You know, as far as the more more well-known coins. Like Litecoin is nowhere near what what it was running up to before. It hits this 180-200 level and it's like it gets rejected. So, I don't know. Kind of like we talked about before, I would limp in. I definitely wouldn't be going balls out in it right now. You know, if I had $5,000, let's say to start, I probably would only buy half. I wouldn't even buy a whole F. I'd probably just buy half. Or I'd probably just put 2500 in. And then don't look at it as whole F. Just look at it as money invested. And then read and deploy the rest of that money later or if it goes down or enjoy the ride if it goes Yeah, you up. make a really good point on the chart. I, I you know, I, it's very true. I, I've seen, and I, I see what you, I've seen what you described with a lot of these other altcoins where they don't, they right. can't break through because they're just, they're just big sellers just waiting to, to, to sell out there. Right. Um, meaning that right. they don't think it's valued higher than that. Right. And they, they want to take their money and turn it back into F. Right or 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 whatever stable coins. Um, usually, when you when you see these big guys sell, they usually sell for F, um, which is interesting because like they want to have F, right? <laughs> they rather have F than than you know you know whether it's Uniswap or Correct. or or you know sushi or whatever. They're they're Correct. trying to you know keep their money in F, right. uh, which is why I think you're seeing so such strength in F because as you're seeing all these other altcoins reaching highs but then getting rejected, th- that money's going back into F. Um, they're, they're seem, that's what it seems like to me too, and, and it's creating a lot of support for for at that at the current price. Which again, I see why you would want to keep a large, you know, some core position of it in F. F, F almost yeah. feels like Apple in a stock account. Like it's just the core position now, because it, it just is showing so much strength. Or you just kind of leave it in your account, and you're like, oh, whatever, I'll play with the rest of the money. Because as F goes, yeah. it does, there's no parallel move. In the other in the altcoins, like yeah, and the thing eight. is, it was such a there's still there's still things happening with that too. I mean, you know, end of this year, early next year, there's still the F two point the the one point five merge where the the you know the whole chain goes to proof of stake. So that's going to be really interesting because that will reduce the inflation rate dramatically. It'll go from you know whatever I, I don't know what it's at now, maybe two percent or three percent down to like under one percent. So then you're going to have even less F out there for mining and, and so forth. We just went over Owen's head again. With the oh, it's just so basically just an improvement in He's F. being good. He's being yeah. good, though. He's like nodding his head <laughs> like he's doing good there, you know? It's just an upgrade to the protocol that's happening in, um, in, in, at the end of the year slash ne- early next year. That's going to, you know, increase the speed and the, basically the, the network will improve. Um, you know, software is going to be upgraded and, and issuance is going to improve. So... So there's some good stuff happening for F, I think, you know, towards the end of the year and early next year. And that's, I think it's going to build 
maybe that's when we get to 10K. Maybe that's maybe our friend is right, you know. And again, it seems far fetched right now because that means that that would mean it would have to triple from where it is right now. Um, but again, as we see in crypto, a triple is nothing. I mean, that doesn't that's not that doesn't phase me. Yeah, it happens. It does it happens? Yeah. I, I for for me, the biggest thing I think is time horizon. Like, if your time horizon is long, you're probably okay putting money in ETH now because with all the things that are happening on the platform. You know, with DeFi, with NFTs, uh, you know, and all this other stuff, applications. I think if you're looking for like years out, you're probably going to be okay. But in the short term, like li- looking for the end of this year or maybe even two years, I think that becomes a little bit more, you know, iffy because you know we, there's all of these cycles in crypto, right? At least right now, because it's so early and it's so volatile. I think that's where you're like a lot of the risk is. But if your time horizon is that, is longer. Then, I think it couldn't hurt to put to put money into ETH. And, 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 and the, another thing I want to point out is is just the competitors. I mean, people are saying, "Well, there's going to be ETH competitors." And I, Royce and I talked about Solana recently, and you know, a couple of days ago, their entire blockchain went down. The whole network went down, so nobody could make any transactions for like almost an entire day. And and even after, and the price, it, yeah, it down, but I mean, just it goes to show how crappy. Their competitors are. If, I mean, how? When have you heard a blockchain going down? I mean, it's just, how is that decentralized? Yeah. It's not, not a blockchain. blockchain. It's a database. Like, databases <laughs> go down. You know, like that's not a blockchain. Yeah. Like Royce, can you give can you give some some background of the price movement of Solana to Owen about like how everyone got excited that there was this competitor that was getting more, you know, was getting more and more buyers and, and theoretically more people using our network like. What was that price action like in the last two weeks? Because we talked about it a lot when you were here in Hawaii. Yeah, so I, I can tell you, like, uh, Solana started off the month around $40. And uh, basically, at its high point, I think it was around $200. $210. Right? I, I actually sold a little bit at $210. Yeah. I sold at the peak. I, I don't have that much. I just had a little yeah. bit. But it went to 210 Yeah. So that was in that was in this past month, and, and like honestly, a lot of alternative blockchains have been getting a lot of investment and hype. I think this past month, but kind of like Ken was saying, I think what what this uh, you know Solana issue shows you is that it's complex. Building a blockchain and building a platform is complex, and to be able to think that these new platforms that have all these promises that you know they're going to replace ETH or they're going to be better than ETH. Uh, you know, time will tell, but it's a it's a complex problem and it's not easy to solve. And that the thing that F has going for it is that, that it's been F, running. For, it also confirms that F is best in breed. Yeah, it's it's been running for years, right? Uh, and now the the two biggest competitors to F are Binance Smart Chain and Solana, right? Like at least, well, there might there's other ones, Matic. I guess there's Matic and and um, Avalanche, I guess, but. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of. But that I think the hype. biggest ones are Binance Smart Chain, and I think Solana is one of the biggest ones now. Um, but it just shows you how far behind they still are. I mean, Binance Smart Chain has what 21 nodes? Is that is that? My, my, I think I'm not. I don't want to be misquoted, but I think it's like yeah, 21 nodes out there. No, no, I'm not sure, it's so yeah. super centralized. It's basically 20, 21 machines running the whole network. And then, well, there's well, there's two right. So like, there's that Binance Smart Chain, and there's. Uh, well, there's BSC and then there's the Binance 
the other thing, the other chain that they have. So BS, BSC is yeah, right. Market, there's 21 nodes running it. Um, it's got huge activity on it, but there's only 21 machines running the whole thing. So it's super centralized. And then you have Solana, which had about, I think, 600 nodes or something like that. And if you look at Ethereum, it has a few, Ethereum yeah. has, I think Ethereum 2 right now has about 200,000 validators. So it shows you like how how different these networks are. And, and the thing is, Ethereum has been battle tested. I mean, they've had five years of, of usage and people attacking it. You know, it's been through a lot. You know, it's been ha- it's been it's been hacked. It's been, you know, it's you know, people have been trying to attack it, um, but still it's still kicking. And and I you can't just overnight come up with a competitor that's going to kill it. And I think that's what Solana's you know, okay. this, the episode with Solana basically showed you how far behind a lot of these networks still are. Mm-hmm. So let's redirect this conversation to Owen. Pose that question to you now. After hearing all that, everything we talked about, if if theoretically you were to buy today, what would you buy? Ethereum. Me and my little brother just bought $100 worth and he's made just <laughs> as much as me in the crypto market and the stock market. So, yeah. <laughs> so, my advice to you would be, if you do want to do this, start your Gemini account sooner than later because it takes a while for them to approve your account it can take up to a couple weeks for them to say yeah you're okay to buy is it they're just the they can just be that backed up in starting accounts right now in the meantime you know it becomes this thing about saving your money you know so that you can use it to make money you know, and ask yourself how much you want to spend. You're a young guy. Like, we were all young guys at one point in time. We blew the fuck out of money in the 20s. You know, it, it, I mean, shit. <laughs> we did stupid shit with our 20s, 100%. Somebody be, somebody on this panel became a professional figure <laughs> poker player at one point in time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, you know, but you ask yourself how much you want to try and let it grow. And of course, you got to have your fun. You got to live. You know, you're young. But the more you let grow now, you know, the more fun you can have later. So it's just this thing where you you ask yourself kind of where it is. You know, where how how is it you want to approach all this stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the hard part when you're young, right? But for me, like my my philosophy now is that like any dollar that I have it should be working to earn something else. And I think that's the same philosophy that Ken has as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why we're always looking for things that are going to earn us, you know, yield in crypto or, you know, earn us, earn us money in other ways, like in other investments or companies. I think Royce hit it on the, on the head there. I mean, I think almost every single one of our crypto investments are earning us some type of yield, every, almost every single one. And if there is something I'm holding that I'm not getting yield on, it's probably one of the first things I want to sell because I don't want to hold on to something that's not going to give me something back for holding it. And and I think it's an approach that all the all crypto, especially DeFi investors, should all be focused on is, you know, if you're holding something and not getting something back, that is not a good long-term hold. You should not be holding that. Even my Ethereum, I'm, I'm holding it and I'm, trying, I'm getting some yield out of it. So you should be doing that. What are you getting? What are you getting for yours? 
What are you getting for um, yours on your platform? Because on, on Gemini, well, it's like 2.4%. I'm a little, I'm a little bit different. And again, I, again, not financial advice. I don't want to you know steer people the wrong way. Um, yeah. I, I, it's complicated what I'm doing. So uh, I'm... Yeah, yeah, it's complicated. I don't know how, I think it's going to go over a lot of people's heads on, you know, especially people listening to this. Um, because you said essentially, are you letting somebody lend your money out so you um, get some yield? I'm supplying liquidity. Um, so I'm supplying liquidity on Ave, right. and I'm, I think I'm getting paid like point three percent or something. Um, but I'm taking a loan out with that collateral, and that loan is costing me about three point eight or nine percent. So. Not yeah, bad. it's not high. So, and then I'm taking that and I'm converting those stable coins. I think I'm taking out like Dai or USDC, and I'm selling that to buy euros. And I'm right. Oh, yeah, so I'm, no, so I'm taking thing. my euros and depositing them on Curve to earn forty percent. So I'm yeah. So I'm so I'm taking a, I'm taking currency risk. I'm taking a currency risk of US dollars to euros, which again it doesn't fluctuate too much. You know, it's relatively stable. Um, it go go up and up down a little bit. Um, you might actually make money depending on the big moves in. Yeah, the big moves yeah. in already in, in those. But you're getting forty percent. Right? So I'm so, so I'm I'm basically making forty minus whatever uh you know interest. Yeah. So net that you're about thirty net that you're yeah. about thirty five percent. So I'm holding Ethereum. That's freaking that's yeah. freaking amazing. I mean, that's, that's amazing. I mean, keep in mind I'm yeah. not taking I'm not leveraging hundred percent of my Ethereum, so I'm it's not quite 35% because I'm not leveraging 100%. I think my LTV is like 60 or whatever, 65%. So I'm not taking out the entire, I'm not crazy taking out like, you know, 80% LTV loan. Um, so so, so on that note, let, let's take that moment to kind of pivot since Ken is talking about him, you know, doing well with his money. Uh, I hear you're actually making it over to the, this neck of the woods pretty soon. I am. I am. I'm coming to visit you, man. <laughs> And you too, maybe. <laughs> well, that's happening. Oh, that's happening. Like, are you? Where you're yeah, staying up I'm in Turtle stay Bay here for a few days um, with my family? Where are you going to be? You going to be at the Ocean Villas? Or are you doing the bungalows? Uh, yeah, what are you doing? I'm doing the bungalows. I think I'm not even sure. Actually, I have to go check. Like, because it's been a long time. I had to cancel that thing, and then I had to rebook it. So I don't know exactly where I am anymore. But um, but I think I'm, I'm going to be near Turtle Bay, um, and. You know, I should. If you're around, right. man, I'd love to meet up with you. Oh no, I'll yeah, we we'll like I don't care. Memorial, you know? Wait, what? I'm I'm still, I'm still when was that again? Uh, around October. You gonna be around? You gonna be the Royce? October, we right? should, we should, like, we should do a little uh, like, in-person podcast. Wait, wait, wait. What we need to know? What we need to know is when, okay. So that plan doesn't work because when Royce was here, we didn't podcast. <laughs> shit. So yeah. Um, we're too busy, we're we're too chicken, busy eating, we're golfing, chicken. drinking. Royce gave me, <laughs> yeah, we all, we all, we all Dude, golf, Royce gave me this awesome list of things that I need to do in, in Hawaii that that he compiled as a local. So you know, I've done all the stuff that you know oh, yeah. the the touristy stuff I've done, uh-huh. but he too, he gave me a list of things that like not all tourists will do. So I have that. I'm going to go check it out. Well, it, it's about it's about the food. To be quite honest, like when you come to Hawaii, it's about the food. Yeah, it's about going out and eating. Give me a lot of food, and, food, food uh, suggestions. Yeah, that's that's the best way to enjoy some of the culture here. It's really the food. Yeah, I'm gonna. Um, you know, it's not about yeah. being fancy either or anything. It's just about knowing where to get what. Yeah, like where yeah, I mean, not to get a pokeball. Where not to get a pokeball and where to get a pokeball. You know, <laughs> <all the way laughs> for any food. 
is Steve's house. <laughs> Steve's house. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that is true. Really? He makes a kick-ass <laughs> Pokeball? That's awesome. Dude, we could do anything, man. We could, we could do anything. Dish. We could do anything. It'll be in our. It'll be in my front yard, and we'll just be. Just don't. Just don't sleep in front of us because we kind of. No, 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 no. <laughs> you might wake up with strawberry oh, belts no. on your nose or up your nose or down your shirt. Horrible. But when in October are you going to be here? Because I'm going to be up there. I'm going to be in oh, LA. Oh, really? No, it'll October. be late October. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, that's true. Maybe we should we should stop by. Like he, so he's going to be up here uh, October. 6th. Oh, dude, first, we should we should meet first. up. Yeah. yeah, let's let's do that. But we're 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 oh, going to Vegas. Okay. We got a thirty-six hour. Let's throw that out there. Oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, we have a thirty-six hour. Spin you know, I might join you guys in Vegas that's, if it's uh, early then, October. I might be able to get out. Oh yeah. Um, Done. Yeah. You want to come to Monday Night Football with oh, us oh, too? Oh, and we come back. <laughs> I wonder if we're gonna get tickets. Oh, and get tickets to the game. Oh, oh, to the Raiders game. Ah, Chargers was the Chargers Raiders game. It's the Chargers right now. The tickets are only like 150 bucks. Yeah, there's tickets. I want to take the stadium because we were watching it being constructed. Right, right, Royce. We were were out there. Come come with us to the game. Yeah, come with us to the game. I saw it. I saw it every day. I'll sit all in. I just want to check out the stadium. I want to see what it looks like. Well, I kind of want to sit high anyway, so you can see all the splits. Like yeah, no, in some ways, nice, like being near the field, like... you don't see everything. You, you, you know, this is this is the football. This is the football <laughs> geeks out of me. Like I don't care. I'll sit at the very top because I can see wow. everything. I can see everything yeah. develop. It's way more fun. It's cool. You can read the defense, right? You go from the safeties. Yeah, and it's just cheap <laughs> as hell. Exactly. So you know, there's that more money for beer. It's cool. So. Yeah. Hey, oh, and I, uh, I just want to let you know that all I learned about football was from playing Madden. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's amazing how good those simulators are, though. It really is. Blows my mind. It's all based on probabilities, right? How all their ratings. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Let's just say it's a lot, a lot harder than that. <laughs> when you have a guy 360 pounds running at you, can run a 40. <laughs> Or when you got a guy like Montez Sweat who's coming at you in his 6'8", 260, oh running a 4'4'1". <laughs> worst yeah, hit you ever took. Worry about that. What's the worst hit you ever took, Owen? Playing quarterback. Playing in my, oh, there's two. Same year. Oh, well, one was my freshman year. I was playing quarterback. <clears throat> and drop back, step up in the pocket, straight linebacker to my, to my oh, side. Oh, I, oh. That's playing Kuku Varsity when they were when they were still legit. Second time was against Farrington. It's like first or second quarter. By the way, I got sacked seven times that game. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh so Braden Feoko, who plays for the Chargers. Uh-huh. I don't know if he made the squad, but him and two other guys, all averaging about two eighty, three hundred, fell on me and I fell on the ball. I just oh. <laughs> you <did> that. <laughs> that's that's the worst feeling in the world, man. Of getting the wind knocked out of you. Yeah, that is the worst. Dude, that, that that's like remember you. This is for the older guys. Remember Terminator Two when they visited the lab and the guy had to drop the bomb and he was in that weird breathing when he was about to die. Where he was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's that's what it that's what it looks like when you when I run on the field and have to respond to somebody with their like 
wind knocked out of them. It's the weirdest sound ever. It's this yeah. high pitch like hee and the look of fear in the eyes of the person that yeah. like they are scared shitless. Like their eyes yeah. are always wide open and they're yeah. making this weird noise. Like they're like they're trying to talk, but all comes out this high pitched noise out of their mouth. Yeah. And yeah. there's nothing you can do. Like you just yeah. sit there and try to keep them calm and let the muscle spasm go away. I think stingers oh, are the worst, though. Oh man, that next that arm just gets that arm just gets heavy. You, you, you suddenly you don't feel like you still got your arm on you at times, or you know, it's crazy. Well, I'm glad I never took it. Off. Is that that's a that's a nerve thing? Yep. Yeah. Arguably, arguably, I think I would have told you definitely back in my younger days when I started as an athlete trainer. Yeah. Now I probably would add more to the story than I used to tell people about why why stinger happens and why it reoccurs right away if yeah. you go back in the game without getting treated. I, you know, and I think now now in, in things that I do now, I look at stingers and I say, you know what, there's probably other things I would have done to treat them, and maybe I think there's a chance that the reoccurrence, that immediate reoccurrence, because one of the biggest fears with stingers is. If you send someone right back in the game, they get hit one more time, stinger again. Yeah. The question is whether or not that's avoidable and they can go back in the game. And I think maybe. And you yeah. know, stuff that we'll have to research and do, but you know, it's just kind of one of those things where things evolve, but yeah, man, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy the things that happen in a football game. Like yeah. things I've seen covering football games as a, as an athletic trainer. Like it's crazy. Oh, didn't someone break oh. their leg tonight? Yep. Our oh, team man. captain. Our, Sorry our guard. to that up. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. They moved him from center to guard, so how good really is he? Come on. Come on. Oh, the Giants? Yeah. But no, seriously, that sucks. That I mean, sucks. It, I mean it, it sucks for it all sucks those for guys all. because, you know, it's their, you know, it's their livelihood. You know, these guys. And you never know how well they come back. I mean, I, I watched the TED talk that Alex Smith just did this summer, and that leg is fucked up. Well, you could see it in Saquon tonight. It doesn't look the same. 100%. It's not. It's too soon. There it's was one. Soon. He had a hole, and he just tripped. Or he did. Like his leg gave out. Right. How, how long has it been for Saquon now? Week two. Wasn't it week three last year? Week two, week three last year? It was week two. Yeah. Oh, ah, that's so right. it's not yeah. even a, not even a yeah. year yet. No. Yeah, and, and he was trying to go full speed on it for probably the last two months, probably. So. Yeah, it's, that's know, tough. It, it's the, the it takes it takes a long look, it takes a while as long as he doesn't get like too dinged up in the next four to five weeks, it'll start looking like him by about week seven. Well, that shows you how crazy, like how freakish Adrian Peterson is. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that dude is. I mean, a, that guy's a torn ACL. Yeah, he's a freaking nature, yeah, man. The torn ACL thing, like, it's it's uh, it's the it's the scar tissue, right, that builds up. You have to break that up. It's the it's the muscle that you need to rebuild, too, right, around on your leg because it atrophies so much. And then, like, it's the the nerves inside the knee that you lose you lose the ability to tell where it is in space and like the feeling it's a weird it's a weird thing yeah it takes a while <laughs> it just takes a while for the everything around it to tension back the way it yeah. needs to and then you you think about neurologically you you look at how well your fast twitch muscle fibers 
really how well are they fully recovered how how well are they firing and then just the maturity around the graph the bone around the graph how well that heals and how much time it needs so for a while because of adrian peterson uh you know the a lot of the timetables around acls like really got fast and people are kind of starting to come back in six months seven months the problem is all the studies show that they all just re-injured it because they yeah no i think i think that guy was just he was just special it's an exception to the rule yeah he's just special um, i think when i had my acl surgery i made a goal that one year after surgery i was going to run a marathon and you know my doc trusted me to kind of progress myself a lot so by three months i was running you know i mean and i was running and i made it to my marathon but you know, when I ran the marathon, my foot just had so much issue uh, with whatever compensation I still had one year later because I was I was training for nine months at that point in time post an ACL surgery. Like, so, you know, when I look back, I said, I know exactly why I had that foot pain, you know, but I just had this goal and I was going to hit it. And, you know, like I knew I wasn't going to really do much with my knee the rest of my life, so... If it didn't really come back 100%, meh. You know, just wanted to get that. You guys, on it. Would you guys let your kids yeah. play, like, serious football? Uh, one thing I will say about football is something like flag when they're younger. I have no problem with them playing that stuff because there's so much benefit from playing a team sport like that where you have to learn anticipation. You have to learn how to work with each other and, and the skills that come with it, the type of running you do. Um, and you can say the same for soccer and all those type of things. Uh, but I really think football is just heading in a spot where the kids that want to play football are going to play. And then there's going to be a lot of kids that would maybe would have played in the past. Won't. They just won't play. I, I think you're going to see some places where the turnout for football will continue to decline because there will be parents that were like me. Eh. And then you have the other parents. They're totally fine with their seven-year-old playing tackle football. So, it, it, you know, the, the economy will always be there. But I would, I would guess participation is not going to is going to continue to see a decline. Well, nowadays like too, right? A lot of people are going on that pylon or seven-on-seven seven route, and people right. are getting scholarships from that. Like they don't play right. a lick of, they don't play a snap of high school football, oh. and they get college wow. scholarships. Yep. shots. Yep. Wow. Because wow, of yeah. the way football is now. Because of how pass-heavy football is right yeah. now, if you're good in your seven-on-seven skelly drills, mm-hmm. and you see you show the skill to run routes, and as a quarterback you can be on time and anticipate, they they think they will teach you to rest, and they could arguably be right. Well, you can teach is your ability to take a hit. That's the welcome to the NFL moment when you fail. Yeah, <laughs> when in the it's non in the non-seven-on-seven drill, you yeah. come across the middle, and that middle linebacker is ready to let you up. It's just a welcome to football moment, right? You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. Like when a quarterback is in the pocket, feeling out a defensive line, like that's not a skill you can teach. That's all instinct, survival, hundred percent, or like a safety, yeah, or a safety. Just knowing that he's getting looked off and can just have discipline to just stay in the middle of the field. I mean, it's all just that's instinct. That's what it comes from playing tackle football. At some point, you got to step into the fire. Like if you're gonna play it at a high level, you know you're gonna play at a high level, at a high level. You know, like you gotta. I don't see how you 
can really succeed without having that experience to to Owen's point. If you play quarterback and you don't know what it's like to crawl up in a pocket and know how to feel the pressure, hmm. Yeah. And I, I could only imagine that'd be pretty hard to develop in a guy. But who knows? Responding to, to your question, responding to your yeah. question if I would let my kid I mean like I wouldn't want like I'm not I don't have kids, I don't plan on having kids in the near any near future, but Thank God. No, they're too I, young. I would not force him into anything, or I would actually discourage oh, it. Have interesting. Interesting. It's just because, I mean, like, I've seen what it can do to, to a person. I mean, not only professionally wise, but like personally, and like, it, it, it definitely takes a toll on you, but I mean, it gives you a mental toughness that that not, no other sport can teach you. Like, my little brother was almost forced into it, but he never did, and I can just tell it gave me a mental edge in baseball and basketball. And just in life in general, that you know, you're mentally more tough than a lot of other people just because of that. Like, what you have to go through is some crazy crap. Like, just in practice. Yeah, we're not even talking about the physical. We're not even talking about the yeah. physical grind of taking a hit. Yeah, it, it's it's that plus you got to keep pushing. You know, it, it, it's it's so different from a like trial by fire. Like, if you, what what doesn't kill you make you stronger, kind of thing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like the week you you can. It's very easily you're very easy be able to like weed out the week and see who's mentally tough on the field. Like even from coaching, like let's just say that's a, it's a different generation from even when I was playing four years, five years ago. And that's an early twenty year old saying wow. it's different already. But I will oh, echo yeah. that sentiment because having worked with youth athletes for over over the last twenty plus years, like it's just a different athlete. It's a different athlete in two thousand and one, two thousand two versus the athlete in twenty twenty one. It's just different. It's a Not different world, man. Worse, it's just different. Mm-hmm. Different world. And I was just playing high school football for like five years, five years ago, and now I'm coaching JV football. And varsity, and just tell you straight up, it's <clears throat> it's not the same. Like the kids just don't respect the game; they don't respect the, they don't have respect for each other. Like I guess it's I guess it's cool nowadays to put each other down. Wow, jeez, is that really what's going on? It's, I've learned wow. something. That's what he's seeing. I mean, uh, we'll see. I mean, on, on that note of talking about twenty odd years ago and how things are changed. I mean, let's let's wrap up this show talking about 9-11 a little bit. And, and the reason why I wanted to bring this up is, you know, I've been watching the documentaries because, you know, that, that was a time in my life where that event actually is what it was the last part of my decision to come home uh, to Hawaii. And like, I, I left the mainland very shortly after 9-11. I just decided it was time to be close to home. But I think what I found interesting about watching those documentaries is, like I looked at, I re- I watched it, and I remembered like what we were like in this country after nine eleven, and I think about where we are now. I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck? I, I think you're sorry. Like, to your crazy. to your point. No, go ahead. Um, and that's really good. Like it brings back a lot of 
like the, the pointing out the differences between now and and back then it's i think 911 was probably the point in my life at least where i saw the country come together the most like it's the most united i've ever seen the country was 911 after 911 the whole country became one country there was no more republicans democrats liberals conservatives it was america and we're all united right. and it's like the almost exact opposite right now okay and there's a common enemy now like it was back then but we just don't approach it this you know it's like if we if we make covid the common enemy now mm-hmm. and then you, you would say we'll say osama bin laden was coming in back then right we united for that and that cause you know this and that a lot of people died more people died in covid than during that time Right, but it's just we're we're in such a different place. I mean, I remember like I'm not the biggest George Bush fan, but I gotta say, man, he gets on that mound. Jeter's giving him crap about making sure he goes to the top of the mound, not pitches in front of the rubber. He goes up there, throws a fucking strike, and goes thumbs up in the freaking like, dude. That's me. That's like that's a Disney movie in it by itself. Like I remember watching that live, and the fans go crazy and. Like I'm watching TV, I'm like, oh, that's awesome, you know. But, but part of that, but part of that's like because I'm a sports guy, so that kind of stuff will always kind of hit home. Just like that Piazza Homer, right? Yeah, Piazza Homer. Yeah, I'm a Mets fan too, so that was a, that was a double bonus, you know. Like, wow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're that, that contrast, though. The contrast of the mentality back then and the mentality now of. Um, you know, COVID, I think it's a little bit different because it's kind of like a faceless enemy. There isn't a true one. It's not like one fact. And it wasn't deliberate. Like it wasn't like some, you know, someone's trying to get you, right? It's 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 Mother Nature, right? In, yeah. in, in many ways, it's like it's evolution. It's Mother Nature, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's deadly, but it's it's also you you can't really attack it. You know, you can defend yourself from it, but you can't really like kill it that way you know like you can with like osama bin laden or if it's uh or if it's uh you know the taliban or or the isis it's different right but i'd still go back to just the the idea that you know i don't know why and how we got here going from the most united this country's been to the most divided it's been I, i think social media probably had a lot to do with it because now everyone who has an opinion can post it and get about a million likes and and it's really sad to see because and, and, and here, I want to make one more point about diversity, because I think back back in 2001, I thought diversity was a great thing. And, you know, like, we should celebrate that diversity. But diversity now, when I look at it, I think of it very differently. Diversity is just highlighting things that make us different and make us not want to like each other. Whereas diversity, when I think of it back then, was kind of like introducing me to all these things I didn't know about other cultures or other ethnicities or other countries and it was kind of cool to, to get to know all those things i didn't know it you know and i think it's kind of like we've gone too far almost to highlighting things that will make us different and in, in a in a negative way now rather than in a positive way and i think that's a pretty big difference when i think about diversity as a word and on that note i guess any last thoughts owen let's start with you and on that <laughs> note <laughs> No, I mean, thank you for having me on. Thank you very much. But I just think it's cool how, like, a lot of people remember sports moments in times of, like, 
all week. like tragedy like where like you know that just can uplift so much so much people whether it's the bush moment or even when the a's won or was it the a's or A's and, A, the A's and the Giants were in, yeah. for, during the earthquake. I mean, no matter yeah. what, you were going to win because one of those two teams yeah. were going to win the World Series. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's another conspiracy theory to a lot of that stuff. But, I mean, just like Houston winning and go on and on. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. But, <laughs> but no, no, you're right. Really you're right. Absolutely. Ken? Well, I mean, on the on the sports note, I mean, you're right. Even even sports is no longer the thing that brings us together anymore. You know, you got people kneeling now. You got people raising their fists. You got, you know, it, it's not even sports is politicized and div- divisive, and you know, people get into huge fights now more more so than maybe back in 2001. And why is that? Why is even sports the, the one thing that we should all kind of have in common, right? The one, the same team you should cheer for the same, like that's no longer something you celebrate. You know, we're, it's not bringing us together anymore. Some people are turning off their NFL games because they don't want to watch it because people are kneeling, right? Like, why does that have to be something that divides us too? You know, anyways, that's, yeah. that's my observation at least. Royce. I'll, I'll leave with this thought playing sports as, like I did when I was growing up. The one thing I learned from playing sports is to appreciate the differences and the skills that other people brought to the game, whether it's, you know, baseball or soccer or basketball. You know, everyone has their skill set and their talents. And it's only through bringing them all together as a team that you can have success. And I feel like the country, the United States is the same way. We have our greatest strength by combining all of the talents, the differing talents and cultures and everything together as one team. And I think that's that's what we should look to achieve. You should run for president. All I have to say is, all I have to say is uh, F5000. <laughs> you know, Steve, that might be next week. You, you guys went deep. I, I, I mean, F five thousand. You, you guys, you, you might, be, you might be right next week. Hey, Ken, we're banking on you. But it's, I know, I'm so saying, man. I'm, on I'm a serious note, I, I echo a lot of a lot of things you guys say, and you know, it, it's it's sad to me when I watch when I watch these documentaries. You know, I'll say it again. Like it's, I just remember what it was like, and. Uh, you know, it's not that people shouldn't have opinions. They absolutely should. You know, it's just, I, I just don't like when other people's opinions silence others. You know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be loud about it, let other people have their opinions too. And, you know, share ideas, have conversations, stop yelling at each other. You know, like it's really, it's a really good place to start. So we'll see. That's the world we live in, but. Thank you both for joining us. Royce, thank you ahead of time for editing and uh, getting this thing out in about seven to nine days. We'll have, uh, we'll, we'll have, our, we'll have our picks out on, on our page. Uh, we'll try to get them out every Saturday uh, for before the Sunday game so you can lose money with us if you want. Uh, but with that, that's all we got. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for having us. Yeah.